Well, this time I'd like to dismiss our elementary school kids to their classes. Middle and high schoolers, you get to stay with us today. Well, hope the mamas in the room have got some pampering this morning. If not, kids, make sure you do that after you get home from Sunday school. Well, the other day, our family decided to watch a show on Disney Plus. It was a National Geographic series called Welcome to Earth. Have any of you seen this show? Well, um, the one disclaimer is Will Smith is the host, but this was before he decided to become a controversial figure and punch someone, so don't judge me for talking about the show. But um, it was actually quite fascinating, and um, the particular episode that we were watching was about um, Will being led into a live volcano. They were rappelling down into this volcano. And the guide that was leading him, later in the episode you find out he is blind, which was pretty incredible in and of itself. Well, I went on to kind of hear a little bit more about his story. He was born with a very rare eye disease and um, started to lose his sight at age four. And by age 13, he had become completely blind. And he was not the type of person to be defeated by a disability. He actually became a high school wrestler. And then in his teen years, decided he wanted to take up rock climbing. So he, this guy goes on all these different adventures. He actually was the first blind person to ever, sum, ever summit um, Mount Everest. And he went on to complete the seven summits, the highest points on every continent, a feat that only about 150 people have ever accomplished. Um, he, he, I went on to read about how he's kayaked through the Colorado River, um, down through the Grand Canyon. He's learned how to ski, and his resume of adventures just goes on and on and is rather impressive. But what I've learned about Eric Weinmeier's story is that the way he has learned to accomplish all of these feats is by following a guide. He has had to learn to place his complete trust in someone else to lead him on these adventures. Well, today we're in a sermon series on the 23rd Psalm, and today we're going to explore the theme, He Leads Me. And we'll discover that we too have been given a guide to help us navigate the ups and downs of this journey of life. So let me say a prayer for us before we dive into our scripture passage. Lord, we pray today as we hear and recite these familiar words, Lord, that somehow um, they will become new and fresh in our minds, Lord, and you will teach us more of what it means that you are our shepherd and that you desire to lead us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. We're now going to look at the first few verses again from Psalm 23, so follow along with me as I read these words. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Well, last week, Joe talked about how the Lord leads us by the still waters and restores our soul. And so today we're going to turn to that second portion of where it talks about the shepherd's leading, where it says he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And today we're going to explore three questions in regards to the shepherd's leading in our lives. Where does he lead us? Why does he lead us? And how does he lead us? So let's start with where does he lead us? The psalmist says he leads us in paths of righteousness, which is simply another way of saying he leads us on the right paths. 
This word translated as righteousness can certainly have that moral connotation of the, the right path, but it can also mean just a good path, a correct path in our lives, implying that these are paths that will lead us to life and flourishing in the presence of God. Well, as Joe mentioned last week, we've been reading this great little book called A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, written by a guy named um, Philip Keller. And he's an actual shepherd, <laughs> and he uses his experience in shepherding to help us interpret some of the imagery of the Lord being our shepherd. It's been enlightening for me since about the most time I've ever spent around a sheep is at Zoo Atlanta in the little petting zoo. Connor really liked the petting zoo when he was a kid. But I don't really know much else about what sheep are like. But one thing Keller says is that sheep can be prone to overgrazing, that they're the type of animals that will just stay in one area and completely eat it all the way down to the roots to where there is no longer any greenery in that area. In fact, this can be harmful to the land, but it can also be harmful to the sheep because they will pollute the land, which will make, it more make them more susceptible to parasites and diseases. And so Keller said the number one thing he had to focus on as a shepherd was making a plan to keep the sheep on the move, moving them from pasture to pasture, both for the benefit of the land and for the sheep. And so leading in paths of righteousness, this would be kind of the imagery that, that this would evoke for those who were familiar with how shepherds worked. So let me ask you this. Have you ever taken a wrong path in your life? My guess is most of us would say yes, that we have probably traveled down, made decisions or gone down paths that maybe have led to some regrets. Well, in the middle of the pandemic, when our family was going a little bit stir-crazy at home, we decided to go up, for, up to Soap Creek in Marietta, if any of you have been in that trail system there. And Ellie and I decided to go for a walk, and Connor wanted to ride his mountain bike. So he was about 12 at this time, and I thought, you know what, this is probably a good time to let him spread his wings and go off riding on his own on the trails. So I didn't really think this through. But before we left, I realized, well, I'm one of those mean moms that don't give my kids phones till they're 13. So he has no phone and he has no watch. So how we were supposed to meet up again, I'm not really sure. But I said, hey, why don't you meet Ellie and I back by this lake in about 30 minutes? I guess just ask a stranger and find your way back. Well, sure enough, 30 minutes later, Connor was not back at the lake. 45 minutes later, when he's not back at the lake, I start to get that little bit of mom's anxiety. I'm envisioning he's crashed somewhere, he's been kidnapped, even though he's six feet. That's not really logical. But um, yeah, all these things creep up. About 50 minutes later, the phone rings, and it's an unknown number, and my heart you know, just starts to skip a beat. And sure enough, it's Connor on the other end, and he's like, um, hey, mom, this lady told me I'm down at Columns Drive by the parking lot. Well, for those of you who are familiar with the Chattahoochee River system, it's like a 10-minute drive from Soap Creek down to Collins Drive. I had no idea that these trail systems were all interconnected and that you could go from one place to another. The good news is we got in the car, went down and saved Connor. He was safe and sound, and it all ended well. But the point of all of this is that left to our own devices, without anything or anyone to lead us, we are prone to wander down the wrong paths. The prophet Isaiah says, we, like sheep, have all gone astray. Or perhaps our tendency is, like some of those sheep that Keller um, shepherded, 
we're prone to just stay in one place for longer than we should without being willing to take a risk or to take those steps of faith that the Lord might be leading us to. But the promise of this psalm is that when we allow the Lord to lead us, he is going to lead us down the right paths in our lives. But the confusing part for many of us is that even when we want to follow the Lord's lead, at the crossroads point in our lives, we're often unsure of where the shepherd is leading us. Have you ever, any of you ever been faced with a life decision that you have prayed about and still been left wondering what is the right thing to do? A lot of times it's not a clear moral choice. It may be a choice between two good things. Should I take job A or B? Should I buy this house or this house? Should I date this person or that person? Should I volunteer, spend my time volunteering for this great organization or that great organization? There are a lot of situations in life where there is not necessarily a clear path that we can see. And it can be confusing to try to understand where the Lord is leading us, particularly in situations like these. So how do we know which is the right path in our lives? Well, as a person who is prone to worrying and overthinking, I have faced many decisions like this in my life, some big and some small. I can left spinning over something as small as, you know, what should I eat today? These kinds of things we don't need major discernment over. But I think the first time I can remember being really just paralyzed by an important, what it felt like an important decision, was when I was deciding which college to go to. I don't know if any of you went through this, but I can remember just thinking, almost I had this understanding of the Lord's leading as though there's one path that I must choose. And if I choose the wrong college, that might lead me to the wrong major, to the wrong career, maybe I wouldn't even find the person I'm supposed to marry, and then the whole trajectory of my life would be completely ruined. And I think some of us put a lot of weight on decisions with this kind of understanding. Well, I went to a Christian summer camp that summer, and I still remember, I don't remember exactly what the speaker said, but he said something to the effect that a lot of times in decisions like these, the Lord gives us freedom to choose. And the point is, will we follow him on whichever path we choose? This for me was like a huge aha moment and it lifted a lot of the anxiety from me. But that message began to trigger for me a new discovery that in discernment and as we face these sort of situations that our job is to focus more on the shepherd than the path and the real test of faith is not necessarily which path we're going to choose but will we allow the lord to lead us as we start moving down that path will we daily turn to him for wisdom and guidance will we rely on his strength when we feel, face challenges will we trust in his provision and his protection when the path starts to get rocky? Will we ask him for wisdom when we face another fork in the path? Will we trust him to lead us? Well, Max Lucado tells the story of a man who went on an African safari, and he was being led by a guide into the jungle. Well, they hit this part in the jungle that was really overgrown with a lot of brush and weeds, and the guide just gets out a machete and he starts whacking through the weeds. Well, the traveler became a little bit distraught at this point, and he says to him, do you even know where we are? Do you know where you're taking me? Where's the path? To which the, the guide turned around with kind of a wry smile, and he said, I'm the path, and just kept whacking the weeds. But I love that story because I think it kind of illustrates how many of us feel when we get to these places. Where am I going, Lord? Where are you taking me? 
And the Lord wants us to internalize that he is the one that we're to look, at, look to as we step out in faith and trust him that he's going to lead us one step at a time. Which leads us to our next question this morning. Why does the shepherd lead us? The psalmist says that the Lord leads us in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And that little phrase, namesake, can mean a couple of things. The first one is this. It means God's reputation or his character. That he leads us for the sake of his name. That he is a faithful God who has promised to lead us. It's part of who he is. And the second thing that this can mean is it can mean for his glory. The reason the shepherd leads us is so that his name will be made known through us. That he will be glorified in and through our lives. Therefore, these paths that we go on are not for our own glory, but rather for the Lord's. And sometimes, I don't know about you, this idea of God's glory, that can also be a little bit confusing. Have you ever wondered what that means? Is God an egomaniac somehow that he, he needs our glory? Well, the opposite is actually true. The reason why we are asked to glorify God is because God is the only being, perfect being, who, is, who rightly deserves all the glory and the praise. He's the only one who is capable of receiving glory without it corrupting his character in any way. Humans, on the other hand, what happens to us when we start to receive glory? We can tend towards pride, greed, abuse of power, and all sorts of other negative vices. So the shepherd, knowing what is best for us, has created us in such a way that we will flourish and actually become the very best versions of ourselves when God receives the glory through us and when we begin to live for his glory and not our own. So I wonder how our prayers might change if we remembered this framework, particularly when we're making decisions. What if we began to pray things like, Lord, would you lead me down the path that brings the most glory to you? Would you guide me and work in and through me so that I will glorify you in this decision? Do you see how this shift of perspective turns our gaze from our own self-interest to the Lord's? If it's not about my name and my glory, or if it is about my name and glory, I'm going to fixate more on this path, all the things I need to do to make the right decisions that will boost my resume and lead to the happiest life possible. But if I have a different perspective, that these decisions are about what will lead to God's name being most glorified in and through me, it actually frees me from that kind of neurotic decision fatigue that it's all on me to make my life work perfectly. Well, this leads us to our third and perhaps even most difficult question this morning. How does the shepherd lead us? Maybe another way of putting this question is, how do we know if we're following the shepherd or simply just making a decision that we want to make? Well, I've got a few, few um, suggestions for us. The first one is to recognize that God leads us relationally. This image of a shepherd guiding sheep is one of great care. It's if you think about how many of us treat our pets as though they're a member of the family. Um, the relationship between a shepherd and a sheep was highly relational. We see over and over different um, stories in scripture. Do you remember the story Jesus talks about um, a shepherd who had a hundred sheep 
And when one of them went wandering off, the shepherd cared about that one so much that he would leave the 99 to go in search of this precious lost sheep. Another passage of scripture that shows the shepherd's relational heart is from Isaiah 40, verse 11. I love this passage that says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Have you ever envisioned God like this? Like a shepherd carrying a lamb close to his heart. Anyone held a baby recently? It might be your own baby, it might be a niece, a nephew, a friend's baby. There's nothing, I don't think, more tender or precious than that feeling of just holding a newborn close to your heart. This is that image that God wants to evoke of, of him, how he tenderly and lovingly cares for us. I also love that last line where it says that he gently leads those that have young. God doesn't poke and prod us. He doesn't guilt and shame us. He leads us gently. And since it's Mother's Day, I thought this would be an appropriate time to mention, did you notice that it says he gently leads those that have young if there's any group of people that I think can tend to be hard on themselves, it is mothers of young children. And if, if there's anything we can see from this is that the voice of the shepherd never leads us with condemnation, will never tell us things like, you aren't doing enough. Why can't you get it all together? Why do you keep dropping the ball? Why can't you be more organized or patient or get more accomplished in one day? In fact, the voice of the shepherd gently leading us will probably say things more like, grace abounds. I see you. I love you, and I'm here with you as you parent every step of the way. God's voice leads us gently and relationally. And when we learn more about the shepherd's heart and character, we're also able to better discern the shepherd's voice. Well, a second way that the Lord leads us is through his word. A very familiar passage of scripture from the Psalms says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. And the more we want to know God's direction, the more we're going to immerse ourselves in scripture, not simply in those times where we need the Lord to help us discern a decision, but that it daily becomes something that feeds our souls so that we are better able to discern the Lord's voice in these times of decision-making as well. A third um, thing that we often see through scripture is that as we seek wise counsel, this also is another way to help discern um, the Lord's leading in our lives. Um, did you notice, as we think of this imagery of a shepherd leading a sheep, that sheep are always, shepherds always lead a flock, right? That we are placed in a flock for a reason, that they, we are designed to live in community and to seek the Lord in community. And particularly when we want to discover God's direction in our lives, we always need to have a few people in our corner who are seeking that direction with us, who can affirm these decisions or maybe ask a challenging question to help us along the way. Well, and fourth and finally, one of the ways that, the, that we learn to discern God's voice is by God's Spirit. We listen how the Spirit begins to nudge our hearts after we spend time in His Word and in prayer, we often may sense when it's time to take that step of faith, even if there is a little bit of uncertainty. 
I know some people, a lot of people will say that they sense the spirits leading through maybe just a sense of peace in their hearts where suddenly it feels like that is the direction that the Lord has led them. And I certainly believe that that can happen. However, I feel like I should say a disclaimer about that as well, that peace is not always the first emotion that you'll feel. Particularly if you are more like me and you are prone to overthinking, overanalyzing, there might be a few moments of even it feeling like panic before the peace comes. Do you remember Moses when the Lord had clearly appeared to him in the burning bush? Was his reaction, okay, Lord, here I go. His first reaction was like, who am I? I can't do this. Can you send somebody else? That just because the Lord has led us doesn't mean we necessarily will um, immediately find that peace in the decisions. I can remember when Joe and I were interviewing for this, our jobs here at Kairos, and after several months of praying and discerning, we accepted the jobs. And the very next day, I just had this moment of panic. What have we done? And I remember calling one of my closest friends from college and saying, I think we've made the wrong decision. I, I don't know what, what I'm supposed to do. And she had, we'd been talking for months, she'd been praying for me, and she said, you didn't make the wrong decision. This is what you do. <laughs> she goes, and every decision you've made since I've known you when we were 18 years old, you, you freak out first and then you'll be fine. You've made the right decision. And I just love having someone like that, an example of, of wise counsel. But sometimes we need to know our own personalities as we face decisions as well. To know the patterns of how the Lord has led us in the past can kind of reassure us of how he might lead us in the future. And I will say the peace did come for me later, but it was not necessarily the first thing um, in my discernment process. But I love Philippians 4, and it says that when we pray, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And sometimes our hearts and our minds need guarding, maybe even from our own inner voices of self-doubt and fear that sometimes try to drown out the voice of the Good Shepherd. Well, as much as many of us wish that the Lord would lead us a little bit more like Siri, which would say, turn left here, turn right here, maybe would give us a whole navigation system of when the potholes are going to come, how long it's going to take to get to the destination, we have not been given a guide that leads like an impersonal robotic voice in our lives. Instead, we've been given a guide, a relational guide, a good shepherd who cares deeply about us and who wants to journey with us through life. A guide who promises that he will lead us on the right paths for his namesake and that he will stay with us to care for us, protect us, and provide for us every step of the way. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you that you are our good shepherd, Lord, and that you know which paths you desire to lead us on. Lord, would you teach us how to listen to your voice, how to, to discern um, where you might be calling us, but Lord, ultimately, to just keep our eyes on you as we are journeying on the path that you've placed us on today. And so, Lord, I just want to pray your blessing over anyone here today that might be needing to hear your voice. Lord, would you remind them that you are there, Lord, and that you promise to lead us and point us in the direction that we should go. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.